Hustle fam, hustle fam, what's good? Happy Truckin' Hustle Tuesday. How's everyone? I hope everyone is well. Um, you know, still getting through it, you know, still in quarantine, but you know, we making it work. Um, still praying for the families of those who have been affected, um, but still staying strong and staying positive. Um, yo, um, you know, one of the, uh, the dopest things about my job and doing what I do, um, with this podcast is, you know, the, the people that I meet, um, the, the, the individuals that I get a chance to connect with, um, you know, the people who I've, I've, uh, you know, just, just, just come across, man, these, these, these brilliant minds, um, these extraordinary young entrepreneurs, um, you know, who just are doing, you know, so many different dynamic things, you know, in, 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 in the industry. And, um, you know, it's really, it's really dope, man. It's really like, you know, one of the pleasures I take in doing what I do. Um, today I get to interview one of the, one of the brothers that I, I feel is really special, man. Um, you know, uh, Umar Clark from the Bureau of Bullies. Um, you know, I said it in the podcast, man, one of my most requested guests, I get people all the time hitting me up like, yo, you gotta, you gotta interview Umar. Um, good brother, good, humble brother, man. I met him, um, a few months ago in Atlanta, you know, we connected, um, and you know, we really hit it off. I I really, you know, felt his energy and, um, you know, Umar is, um, like I said, he's from the Bureau of Bullies. Um, they are consumer, um, educators um they don't they they do credit repair amongst other things um but they like to call themselves um consumer educators they 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 educate the consumer on their rights and their whole approach to credit is um a little different than what you may typically you know get um you know they they approach it from a, a law standpoint you know they 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 go really deep dive into the laws into your rights as a consumer as you're going to hear in the podcast it's really dope man we get into a lot of information um umar sheds a lot of light on some things and um i think y'all gonna enjoy it man so here he is man umar clark um as always you know the deal listen i need y'all to subscribe to the youtube channel um subscribe to all of our socials um instagram twitter um, oh, and go to truckandhustle.com, man. Truckandhustle.com. The site is up. Um, we're still updating the site, um, but y'all can go check it out. Um, leave me your email addresses, names, so I can send y'all out our first newsletter, which is coming soon, which will have a lot of information of what's to come. Lastly, make sure y'all rate and review the show on Apple. Um, we definitely need those ratings and those reviews. Um, that just helps spread awareness um, and, and, and give the show more visibility and, you know, bring, bring new people, you know, into the fold and into this truck and hustle community. So please do that. Um, before you even listen, just go and rate and review the show. If you rock with us or after you get done listening, make sure y'all do that for me. All right. That's, that's what I'm asking for today. All right. So put your ears on. And if you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Let's go. What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truckin' Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So we talk about the bankruptcies, we talk about the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, 
Uh, we've talked about medical debts. Let's get funky into some real stuff. So mm, I let's, promise. Let's get it, man. Hold up. That, that, wasn't, about, that, that wasn't the real? You just about to get to the real? I'm excited. Oh, we, we just getting started, bro. That's just <laughs> the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> All right, let's get it. Let's get it. Turn my mic up. For you. Take this. Yeah, yeah, uh, on the road to the riches, life takes a toll like bridges, good friends become foes to snitches, better watch who knows in your business. Alright y'all, listen, Truck and Hustle, Hustle fam, we are here, um, I got a special guest for y'all today, man, um, one of the most highly requested, um, you know, guests that I've been, you know, asked to have on the platform, um, we are here with Umar Clark of the Bureau of Bullies. Welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you, bro. Thank you. I'm more than grateful for you allowing me to be on this illustrious platform, bro. Grand gratitude. Illustrious. I love that word. That's a good word, man. That's a good word. Well, listen, man, for, for, for those of you, um, you know, who are not, who, who, who's not familiar with Umar and the Bureau of Bullies, um, Umar is um, he, 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 he's, he's into credit repair, but he doesn't call himself a credit repair specialist. Um, they, they, they do a little bit more than that and I'll let him get into that. Um, but you know, Umar, just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do, man. Tell us about the Bureau of Bullies. Let's start from there. So as my good brother stated, my name is Umar Clark and I represent the Bureau of Bullies LLC. We are Delaware based. Um, what we do is consumer education. Right. So uh, the reason why I don't say we do credit repair is because you can't fix something that's not broken. So the thing is, it's not that people's credit is broken. It's that their mindset hasn't been fixed to understand their own power. So what I mean by that is, right, uh, if you notice, we start most of our lives off and we have new people come in. We say, uh, what is the United States? So I'm going to ask you, brother, is the United what is the United States? Is the United States a country or a corporation? All right, I'm going to say um, that, you know, most people will probably say that the United States is a corporation, I mean, is a country rather, but um, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it's, it's a corporation. Smart man, smart man. So that's the truth. And I'm going to give you the law to prove what you just said, right? So I want everybody to write down 28 USC 3002. All right. Again, 28 USC 3002. And once you pull that, once you Google that and press the first link, I want you to go all the way down to number 15. So it's 28 USC 3002? Yes, sir. All right. All right. We, we had to scroll all the way down to number 15. Right? Okay. The United States defines itself as a federal corporation. So I asked the question. If the United States defines itself as a corporation, Walmart is a corporation, Macy's is a corporation, can Ramel from Truck and Hustle go on the Walmart and say, I'm a citizen of Walmart and expect to have any kind of rights? Um, no. What gives you power in Walmart? Um, what gives me power? Um, yep. Man, I'm, 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 I'm the customer. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 exactly. I'm Precisely, bro. So... Uh, one of the words that that I like to say is a damn near synonymous with being a customer is being a consumer. So the power of the consumer is the fact that the consumer is spending the dollar. So the corporations bow to the consumers when they see that the consumers know their power and they say, hey, you know what, I'm going to stop spending here, right? Okay. So if you look, 
if you look at our at the economic crisis we're going through in our country from this uh, coronavirus, um, the the government is giving consumers money so they'll spend. Because if we don't spend, our whole economy collapses. You, you know what I'm saying? You see, just from this quarantine, the point I'm trying to make. That's a fact. That's right. A fact. So we talk about shifting the mindset. I want you to understand that in this federal corporation, you're not a citizen; you're a consumer. Okay. Right. Okay. So as gotcha. long as we know that, we can proceed. Okay. Well, let, let me. And we let gave me, you the law to back it up. Let, let me ask you a question. Um, how, how did how did we even get get there to start to where you started deciphering between what a citizen was and what a consumer was? Like, how did how did you even get there to begin with? Well, when I embarked on this credit journey, I started studying the law. So we have the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which is uh, USC 1681. Okay. We have the Fair Debt Collections Practices Act, that's USC 1692. Okay. And I noticed a few consistencies. Number one, I never saw the term borrower. Number two, I never saw the term citizen. Mm. Like not once. So they're they're enacting laws for people and they never use the word citizen. So, you know, the thing about law is, 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 is purposeful. Everything's on purpose. So you'll notice they capitalize certain words. They don't capitalize certain words. They use certain words. They don't use certain words. So when I noticed they never use the term borrower or citizen, uh, me and my partner, Eric, we started to look into stuff like that. Like for what reason would they not use that? And when right. we started to study, it blew our minds because a, a citizen has no power in a corporation. If, mm. When you call yourself a citizen of a corporation, all you're essentially saying is I'm a slave. Got you. Got you. But what, what made you even start there? I mean, okay, so what, what made you get into credit repair to, to begin with? Okay, so when I was 17, my mother took me down to the credit union. We, she co-signed on a credit card for me. Okay. And I messed up big time. I didn't know. My mother knew a little bit, but she didn't know enough. And I didn't know anything at all. So I didn't know things like you had to make payments. She did tell me about payments, but I just wasn't mature enough to really understand. So I missed a bunch of payments. The car charged off. Then that, right after it charged off, I went and applied for one Wells Fargo. They gave me $1,000. They made the same mistake again. Then after that, I couldn't get approved for anything. I didn't understand why. So okay. just, you know, uh, we live in the age of the internet, so I was just Google searching, Google searching. A lot of misinformation, a lot of false information. But one thing that was true, they said, hey, just order your credit reports. Okay. Which is also false. We shouldn't call it credit reports. We should call it consumer reports. We'll get into that. Okay. So I ordered my, uh, at the time when I was calling them, I ordered my credit reports. And I looked and I saw two accounts that were not in good standing. Right? And, this, and, the, and it was classified as a charge-off. So again, I got back on the internet. And I started looking. And in retrospect, I see it was a bunch of false information. Again, so I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm Googling stuff. And um, my sister was who? My older sister was having the same issue. She purchased a book from a famous author at the time. I won't say her name. Okay. And um, in the book, the lady gives the 609 letters and dispute letters and stuff. So I tried them. Okay. So at we this point, your, your intention is just to clean, clean your credit, get those... Get those, um, get just those to, debts. Okay. That's it, bro. Just to get those two cards off so I can get another card. Okay. Got you. That got you. Got you. So, uh, I sent it off. One thing came off of uh, two bureaus and then one thing came off of one bureau and I'm like, oh man, this works. And maybe a month and a half later it came back. Mm, okay. So then I did it again. 
Nothing came off. It kept getting verified. And I'm telling you, for maybe about a year, verify, verify, verify. I tried every method in the book, every YouTube video, every uh, – uh, uh, at the time, I don't know if I was on Instagram or not, but whatever social media was, I know I was on Twitter. Anything that the girl on Twitter was saying, I was trying that. It would not work. So finally, I said, let me figure out what the – everything has a law. Everything in life, if it doesn't have a law, a law is coming for it. So if something new is introduced – like, you know, Facebook came, there was no law for it. Now you have laws that govern social media pretty much. That's right. right? That's a so fact. So everything has a law. So I said, okay, let me find the law for this so I can figure this out. Mm. Well, at the time, I didn't understand the language of the law. You know, okay. the language of the law, to be honest, is rich. It's like watching a Shakespeare play, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Seriously, but the language they use, it's like, what the hell? Like when we did the class the other day, I had to put everything in layman's terms because everybody was like, what the hell does that say? And, and you know, I, I'm blessed at this point to be able to do do that, put something in the layman's terms. But in retrospect, I'd be like, yeah, the law is like, you know, it's powerful language. But they do that on purpose because um, they want to be able to throw you a bone. In, th- in, these, in this case, as far as the credit bureaus are concerned and debt collectors are concerned, Congress is throwing us a bone, believe it or not. Okay. So okay. Uh, back to the story. Um, I looked up the law. So we had the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Uh, this governs anything that's furnished on your consumer reports. Then we have the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Now, the uh, the same YouTube girls and stuff that I was looking into, or these Instagram girls and stuff, they were teaching that the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act only governs third-party debt collectors. That's false. Okay. Right? And then you have the Truth in Lending Act. This act governs anything that's in any uh, consumer credit transaction or some people will call it a loan, but mm-hmm. there is no loan because there's no such thing as a borrower. So we'll call it a consumer credit transaction, which is, that's actually how it's defined in the truth and lending act. Okay. So, 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 think, so, so what, what, who pointed you to these particular acts to even be able to start there? Like, was it you just like was, in your research, or you just Googling stuff? Like, How'd you even get to start with, with the fair credit reporting? Like, what made you know that that's where you need to go for the information? One, uh, my partner, Eric, pointed it out in, a, in one of the credit reports I had. He said, what is that? He pointed at the, t- you know, he, the funny thing is, in your consumer reports, all the answers are there. Because by law, they have to give it to you. Now, how they give it to you, they can, you know, try to change a little word here and there to make it funny. But they literally tell you on your consumer reports the rights you have, the laws they have to go by. And the same thing with these debt collectors. They, if you look on the back of anything from a debt collector, anybody, they show you, hey, we're, we're governed by USC 1692. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's right there. Got you. So my partner, Eric, is really sharp. So he's like, hey, what's this? Look at this. So when I tell you we spent, I mean, we spent so long studying this stuff. Then from there, we had to spend time studying the language of the law. So we spent a long time studying that. We went to courses on the language of the law, studying, studying, studying. Mm, uh, okay. We even went, we would go state to state, studying, 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 just trying to learn the language of the law. Now, okay. I wouldn't say we mastered the language of the law, but I can understand it on a level now, to where a lawyer can't talk over my head. Got you, got you. So that's important right there, understanding the language of the law. That that that's the key. Precisely. Okay. And okay. anybody who doesn't, I like I told I told a lady the other day. She said, uh, she said she understands her stuff. I said, listen. If you don't learn the language of the law, you'll never have any success, one, in this corporation, and two, with credit. And the only real way to have success in this corporation is to have good credit. Mm. So, you know, there's a saying amongst me and my brother Hamza, credit is king and cash is leverage. So in order for you to have success, you have to have good credit. 
In order for you to have good credit, you have to understand credit. In order for you to understand credit, you have to understand the laws that govern this stuff. Got you. Got you. Okay. Okay. All right, cool. So, so, so I got a, a, a sense of how you got to the point to where you started actually getting in and studying and, 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 and learning the language of the law and learning about the different, um, you know, Fair Credit Reporting Act, so forth and so on. So kind of continue from there. Let, let, let's get back to this difference between um, citizen and consumer. Okay. Yes, sir. All right, so talk to me. So we understand now that the United States is a corporation. We understand now that, it can, that the, the real power in any corporation is the consumer, right? Because if I form a company and nobody's buying, my company disappears. So I got to do things to, to make myself attractive to the consumer and to uh, get the consumer to want to spend money with me. Well, if I'm blatantly disrespecting the consumer and I'm um, blatantly violating the consumer, if the consumer knows his power, he's going to walk away. That's a fact. But now if he doesn't, if he says, hey, I'm a citizen of this thing, He'll just be a slave to me forever. So he has no rights. A slave has no rights. So anytime you say you're a citizen of a corporation, you waive your rights. Mm. And, you, and so when you look at these laws we're talking about, I can promise you and bet you any amount of money, you won't see two terms in there. You will not see the term borrower, and you'll never see the term citizen because there's no such thing. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. And the proof of that is, number one, you're a consumer, and number two, you're the original creditor. Got you. Okay, so so we're all consumers, all right? So truck and hustle, we're consumers now, all right? So let's get in that mindset. Let's shift that mindset. So we're consumers, and then what was the, what was the other part you said? Uh, we're the original creditor. So no, we're we'll, we'll, the original we'll go creditors. for the consumer part first. Okay. And then and later on in the show, we'll uh, hit the uh, original creditor part. All right, let's go. All right, so we, got our, we, we ordered all three of our consumer reports, which... If you plan on having any, any success, you must have all three of your consumer reports in paper form. Not, uh, not pull, do not pull them up on a website if you plan to repair them or restore them or however you want to word it. Because if in the event that let's say I have to sue this, uh, this consumer reporting agency and they find out, hey, that you were using an online website, they, they, they can find a way out of that. But if you have your consumer reports directly from them, there's no way around that. It's all about a paper trail. So you're going to write annual credit, annual cre free annual credit report, right? Their okay. address is P.O. Box 105281. That's Atlanta, Georgia, 30348. Very simple letter with your name, your address, your date of birth, and your Social Security number. And all you're going to say is this, I am requesting my three free annual credit reports. Send a picture of your license and a bill or pay stub with your name or address on it and mail that to them. They'll send you all three within 15 days. Copy Once that. our consumer credit reports come, right, we mm -hmm. want to open them, open them up, and I tell people put all three side by side. Now, uh, every, uh, everybody who has a charge off or a, a foreclosure repossession, one of the main things I want you to look at is does the information match on each one? Now, the interesting thing is it never matches. So how is it that for the same account that I opened up at the same time was furnished three different ways on three different consumer reports? Mm, good question. Right? Yeah. Now, you see what I'm saying? So that means somebody furnished incomplete and inaccurate information. But before we get into the FCRA, we're just going to, we're going to talk, I'm gonna find, we're going to show you some violations that are just in the fact, that are just in these debt collectors, right? Okay. So we're, we've been taught 
that a debt collector is only a third party debt collector, which uh, some people would say who was who's a famous what um portfolio recovery associates uh NLVMV funding. Some okay. people say, hey, yeah, debt collectors are just third party debt collectors. That's all it is. Well, let's look what the law says. Okay, I got to listen closely to the words, right? USC 1692. This is the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. And you, whenever Congress passes a law, they give you the definition before they give you the laws, right? Okay. So listen very closely, uh, please. It's the definition of a debt collector. The term debt collector means any person who uses any. You see, they said any person. They didn't say any third-party debt collector. They said any person. Okay. So if Ramel attempts to collect a debt from me, he's a debt collector at that point. There we go. So let's do it. All right. The term debt collector means any person who uses any instrumentality of interstate commerce or the mails in any business, the principal pur purpose of which is the collection of any debts or who regularly collects or attempts to collect directly or indirectly debts owed or due or asserted to be owed or due another. Notwithstanding the exclusion provided by Clause F of the last paragraph of this sentence, the term includes any creditor who, in the process of collecting his own debts, use any other name other than his own, which would indicate that a third person is collecting or attempting to collect such debts for the purpose of such such terms. Also includes any person who uses any instrumentality of interstate commerce or mails in any business. The principle of purpose of which is the enforcement of security interests. The term does not include. Right. So they go. If you go further down to law, they tell you how a police officer can be a debt collector. A judge can be a debt collector. How so? Uh, in our class the other day, I taught them how to dispute a speeding ticket. At the bottom of a speeding ticket, they tell you you can dispute it the same way you can dispute a debt. Why so? Because they're attempting to collect a debt from you. So at that point, they're a debt collector. They got to provide you a validation the same way anybody else would. They can violate you under the FDCPA the same way any other debt collector would. Mm. So. If we pay close enough attention to when I read that passage, you realize the FDCPA says any person or any company or any creditor, alleged creditor, we'll say for conversation's sake, who attempts to collect a debt is a debt collector. Does Capital One attempt to collect a debt? Does American Express attempt to collect a debt? Does your utility bill attempt to collect a debt? Does uh, when um, a police officer gives you a ticket or you, or you run through a toll on the Jersey Turnpike or something, do they attempt to collect a debt? The answer to, all to debt that collectors. is yes, correct. They all do. Yes, sir. Precisely. Okay. Precisely. So we got our definition of a debt, debt collector. We debunked the myth that a debt collector is not just a third-party debt collector. So let's find some violations because you've all been violated. I can promise you that by the end of this call, if you have mail from any debt collector, your credit card company, anybody, you got at least five grand worth of violations on a sheet of paper. Mm. And this is why I tell people do not go paperless. That's a trick. They don't give a damn about human beings. So we'll make you think they care about trees. They do that. So they, they do that. So you can't yeah. catch them. That was, that's the whole game. And when I read these laws, you're going to be like, oh man, that makes sense. Wow. All right. That's crazy. That's crazy. Go ahead. I'm listening. So I'm listening. Right now, bro, we are at 1690 USC, 1692 B. All right. Okay. So let's see what the law says. Okay. This section is about the acquisition of location information. So in layman's terms, all location information means is if somebody attempts to find where Ramel lives, his telephone number, and where he works, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever you hear location information in most laws, that's all that's referring to. Okay. Any debt collector communicating with any person other than the consumer, y'all still have not heard the word citizen yet. 
for the purpose of acquiring location information about the consumer show. Number one, identify himself, state that he is confirming or correcting location information concerning the consumer, and only if, re only if expressly requested to identify his employer. Okay, so number one is just telling you they have to let you know they're just trying to find out, hey, does Ramel live here? Is this, is this his telephone number? That's all he can ask. Now listen closely to number two. Okay. Not state that such consumer owes any debt. So mm. have you ever been on the phone with a debt collector and they say this is an attempt to collect the debt? Any information obtained will be used to do that? A hundred percent. That's a violation. That's a thousand dollars. Have you ever received a letter from a debt collector and they said this and on the letter it says this is an attempt to collect the debt, any information of use will be obtained to use any information obtained will be used to do that? A hundred percent. That's another violation. That's a thousand dollars. Each violation of the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act is a thousand dollars. So as I'm saying this, I just want y'all to say cha ching, cha ching, cha ching. <laughs> just just add it up. Just add it up. Okay. okay. Right? Yeah. Number yeah. three. Not communicate with any such person more than once unless requested to do so by such person or unless the debt collector reason, reasonably believes that the earlier response of such person is erroneous or incomplete and that such person now has correct or complete uh, location information. So they cannot contact you more than once without your express permission. Mm. Number four, I, I love number four, not communicate by postcard. So. What they mean by that is, do you remember back in the day when Rena Center, you noticed they stopped doing it. They would send these postcards in the mail uh, trying to get you to come buy something from them. And a lot of people remember those. I have people tell me, oh, I remember that. They yeah. owed you $1,000 for that. That's why they stopped doing it. Number one, they were attempting to collect the debt. Number two, they infringed upon a consumer's right to privacy. How in the hell did they get your address? Mm. Mm. Nobody thinks about that. Right. That's an, a consumer has a, the same way you have a right to bear arms, right? Right. Or the same way you have a right to free speech. A consumer has a right to privacy. So there's no such thing as public record for a consumer. For a citizen, there is. For a consumer, there isn't. Anything you don't want known has to be private. Mm, okay. Okay. Number five. This one, everybody has this violation. Not use any language or symbol on any envelope or in the contents of any communication affected by the mails or telegram that indicates that the debt collector is in the debt collection business or that the communication relates to the collection of a debt. Okay, it said not use any language or any symbol. Have you received a letter from a utility company or Capital One with their logo on or in it? Absolutely. That's a violation. Have you received a letter from Amex, from anybody who's attempting to collect a debt from you or, call, or allegedly calls himself an original creditor with their name or logo on or in it? Yes, I have. That's a violation. Why is that a violation? If I live with Ramil and I'm in debt, remember, a consumer has a right to privacy. Mm. But Ramil knows this logo represents a debt collector. Now you know I'm in debt. That's an infringement on our right to privacy. Mm. That's just one of the reasons why that's, that's, that's a violation. That's another $1,000. So we found, what, at least about three, four grand already. This is in the first, this is in the first section. We racking it up. Debt collection <laughs> we were cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> okay. Now the okay. next one says, it, uh, it just basically says if they know the consumer is represented by an attorney, then they have to contact the attorney. Now, um, if you know the law well enough, you can be a pro se litigant. Pro se meaning, I'm talking about not if you're a criminal. I'm talking mm -hmm. about under the, the statutes of uh, consumer law. If you know the law well enough, you can be a pro se litigant. I've done it myself uh more than once 
I've represented myself against these alleged big companies and won. Most of the time, they don't want to go to court. They settle outside of court because you know the law well enough. And that, mm. that's something I can promise. So a pro se litigant just means you're representing yourself. All right, so the next section, 1692C, communication in connection with debt collection. Communication with the consumer generally, generally without the prior consent of the consumer given directly to the debt collector or the express permission of a court of competent jurisdiction, a debt collector may not communicate with the consumer in connection with the collection of any debt. Number one, at any unusual time or place or place known or what should be known to be inconvenient to the consumer, in the absence of the knowledge of circumstances to the contrary, a debt collector shall assume, you hear the word assume, that the yes. convenient time for communicating with the consumer is after 8 a.m. and before 9 p.m., local time at the consumer's location. So let me ask you a question, Ramel. Earlier in the passage, they said that they cannot contact you at any unusual time or place. Correct. The beauty of this passage is Congress never says when an unusual time or place is. So is it ever, uh, is it ever convenient for a debt collector to contact you? Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely exactly. not. So that's another violation. They call you at a time because you, you're self-employed. They call you, you could be in the middle of this podcast and they call you about a debt. That's a violation. No doubt. Right. No doubt. And you notice they said assume, uh, assume after 8 a.m. before 9 p.m. They used the word assume. They didn't say before 8 a.m. or after 9 No, they said assume. Mm. But if, you, if you're self-employed, that means any time they call you is a violation. Mm. Okay. Right? It's crazy. Number two, it, it just reiterates that if you're, um, if you're represented by the, an attorney, they should contact the attorney. But number three gets beautiful. A debt collector may not contact a consumer, still have not used the word citizen, at the consumer's place of employment, if a debt collector knows or has reason to know the consumer and the consumer's employer prohibits the consumer from receiving such communications. So I'm going to ask you two questions, Ramil. Mm -hmm. Number one, has any debt collector called you and asked you if it was okay to call you while you work? Um, no, they, they haven't. I mean, I haven't had any debt collectors call me <laughs> recently, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I'm sure if they, I I'm, forgot I'm, we I'm, out here eating, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, to keep it 100 <laughs> with you, but, um, you know, in, 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 in the past, if they have not, they, they, they definitely wouldn't ask that question. Cha-ching. All right. <laughs> Number three. I mean, the other question for the people who are employed, has any debt collector ever contacted your employer and asked them if it was okay for them to contact you at your place of work? I'll answer that question for you. They did not. They never do that. They've never done that. Right, right, right. So that's another violation. Cha-ching. Mm. Let's go to the next section. This is actually probably, this is probably my favorite section. Okay. Harassment or abuse, 1692D. A debt collector may not engage in any conduct, the natural consequence of which is to oppress harass, oppress, or abuse any person in connection with the collection of a debt without limiting the general application of the foregoing. The following conduct is a violation of this section. Number one, the use or threat or use of violence or other criminal means to harm the physical reputation or property of any person, right? So they can't threaten you. Mm. Number two, the use of obscene or profane language or the language, the natural consequences which to abuse the hearer or reader. So let, let, let's look at both of those two passages. Okay. Congress never defines what a threat is. They never, you know, mind you, I said at the beginning that whenever Congress enacts law, they give you definitions. 
They never define what a threat is. They never define what violence is. They never define what obscene and profane language is. Why is that? Because the consumer, who is the consumer judge, they judge that. Hmm. So okay. if you call me and say I owe a debt, that's obscene and profane language to me. If hmm. you write me a letter saying I owe a debt, that's obscene and profane language to me. If you tell me if I don't pay by this date, you're going to furnish it on my consumer reports, that's a threat to me. Right? Gotcha. If you serve me, if you have a sheriff serve me to try to subpoena me to come to court, that's a threat. That's harassment to me. Right? Now, I'm going to skip the next two because it just says they can't um, publish a list of the consumers that are in debt for this much or whatever. Uh, and they can't advertise your debt try to, co- to try to coerce you into paying it. Okay. All right? gotcha. So number five, causing a telephone to ring or engage in any person in telephone conversation repeatedly or continuously with the intent to annoy, abuse, or harass any person at the time of the call. They never give an exact number <laughs> okay. which would be considered harassment. So right. however many times you call me is abuse and harassment. I didn't give you permission to call my phone. Mm. Right? So there's two ways you can look at a telephone call from a debt collector. One, you can get your $1,000 violation under the FDCPA. Then you can look at a telephone collection practice, Telephone Communication Practices Act, which is the TCPA, where you can get $500 a call up to 10 Then after 10 is $1,500 a call. Damn. Damn. Right? That yeah. law was enacted just for that. Wow. Wow. All right. All right. All right. So, so, so before, you, before you continue, all right. Um, so the key here um, is all these laws are made for the consumer, to protect the consumer. Precisely. Right. Precisely. So, so we've been playing the game from the um, perspective as a citizen and not the consumer, which the laws have been written to protect. So we need to shift exactly. our mindset to say we are consumers and we need to act accordingly. Yes, sir. Precisely. That's okay. it. That's the okay. master key for every single law we're going to talk about. That's the master key. That's okay. it. Once you get that, you, you, you really, you're really damn near unstoppable. Mm. Right. Okay. All right. So now, uh, let's see. Let's do uh, let's do USC sixteen eighty one. That's the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Okay. All right. So we found the violations with these debt collectors, which is we define anybody who attempts to collect a debt from you is a debt collector. Right. Right. As right. long as everybody got got that, and they got the basic laws that we gave them beginning, you found your violations already, which I hope you were checking off as you listened to the podcast. You in good standing. All there right. So, so, so everybody, everybody's gotten their three consumer reports. We're talking about what Equa, Equifax, Equicredit, TransUnion, right? Yep. Equifax, Experian. Experian. I'm sorry. Experian. Now, and keep Trans- in mind. Keep in mind. There's over 300 consumer reporting agencies. There's over 300 of them. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, the three we just mentioned are just the main ones. But to further show your power, let me just ask a very simple question. Okay. Did anybody who tuned into this podcast, before we get into the FCRA, which is USC 1681, did anybody on this podcast ever give permission to any consumer reporting agencies to have their information? I'm going to go ahead and answer for everybody and say knowingly they did not. Exactly. And you, and really unknowingly you didn't either. You never signed anything saying that they could have your information. Correct. So let's look at this. No consent. No consent by definition is identity theft. So if I have Ramel's social security card and his birth certificate without his permission, that's identity theft. And I use it. That's identity theft. So they're using our information, trading on our information, right? Mm. 
No consent is identity theft. So just please keep repeating that as we go along. No consent is identity theft. Got you. All right. This is the first passage of the, of the FCRA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which is USC 1681. Okay. Accuracy and fairness of credit reporting. The Congress makes the following findings. The banking system, listen closely, it says the banking system is dependent upon fair and accurate credit reporting. Inaccurate credit reports directly impair the the efficiency of the banking system and unfair credit reporting methods undermine the public confidence, which is essential to continued functioning of the banking system. Right? So it literally just told us that the banking system is dependent upon accurate and fair credit reporting. That's how powerful that that, that system is they have put together. Mm. Right? And right here they talk about the uh, the bureaus. An elaborate mechanism has been developed for investigating and evaluating the credit worthiness, credit standing, credit capacity, character, and general reputation of consumers. They're referring to the consumer reporting agencies. Okay. Consumer reporting agencies have assumed a vital role in assembling and evaluating consumer credit and other information on consumers. Now, this last passage, you got to listen very closely to. There is a need to ensure that consumer reporting agencies exercise their grave responsibilities with fairness, impartiality, and a respect for the consumer's right to privacy. Mm. A consumer has a right to privacy. That's a right. Like nobody can take that from you. So when you hear people say, yeah, well, it's public record. There's no such, for a citizen, yeah, you can say, hey, that's public record. Mm. But for a consumer, a consumer has a right to privacy. So on your credit journey, and for people who do credit repair, understand that that's one of the biggest backdrops for your strength to be able to get anything removed and to be compensated for deletions because deletion is admission. That's on both sides. So deletion from your consumer reports is admission. They should be invoiced. The deletions from a debt collector is admission. They should be invoiced. So I had a girl who attended one of our classes. She got a bunch of deletions in the first week she got out of the class that she did. I said, uh, she thought the job was done. She's happy. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I said, okay, but did you get your money? She right. said, no. I right. said, well, the job ain't done. You got to go find out because if they deleted it, that means they found a violation before she did. They just didn't want her to find it. So mm. now you need to find out what about how you've been violated. Now you need to go invoice them. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So they give the definition, you know, every time Congress passed a law, they get the definition. So let's scroll on down. Let's see. They define a consumer again. They never talk about a citizen. That's all I want people to see. When you scroll down to the definitions in USC 1681, not once do you see the word citizen. Wow. Or borrower. And then in the last, in the last, uh, USC 1692 Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, you did not see the term borrower. And that was something that was governing debt collectors. And you did not see the word borrower. You go into truth and lending, you'll never see the term borrower. Hmm. All right. So. And we're going to get into that. To prove, okay. I'm going to prove to you that you're the original credit. I'm going to prove that to you. Okay. All right. So we had a USC 1681B. This is the Fair Credit Reporting Act. In general, any consumer reporting agency may furnish a consumer report under the following circumstances and no other. In the response to the order of a court having jurisdiction to issue such an order, or a subpoena issued in connection with proceedings before a federal grand jury. 
This next one is one of the most powerful parts, in my opinion, of the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Okay. A consumer reporting agencies can only furnish something in accordance with the written instruction of the consumer to whom it relates. Now, let me ask you something, Ramil. If you if you look at your consumer reports, have you given written permission for anything that's on there to be on there? Even if the account is in good standing, did you give written permission for anything that's on there to be on there? No, sir. Not at all. That's a violation. That's a viol- That right there is enough power to get anything removed. But for me, it's not just about removal. It's about people knowing their rights. That's why I say uh, we don't do credit repair. We do consumer education. So for every deletion, I want you to know, hey, this is why this was removed. This is how you can do it yourself. Mm. Wow. That, 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 All right. That, so that's powerful. Yep. I'm listening, bro. I'm listening. I'm, I'm that, taking notes. Now, see the- Perfect. Let's do it, bro. Let's do it. All right. So that's all I really wanted y'all to hear from that section, right? So now when you go further along in the, uh, in the Fair Credit Reporting Act, they further, they repeat about how a consumer has a right to privacy. They repeat how uh, bankruptcies shouldn't be furnished in a consumer report. Your medical information should not be in a consumer report. Now, the backdrop for that, why that stuff shouldn't be furnished, is because there's no such thing as public record. A consumer has a right to privacy. So uh, this whole week, uh, it seems like we've just been dealing with mostly bankruptcies, which is fine. But what I like to tell people is this. How did the Bureau... Get that bankruptcy information. Nobody ever knows the answer, right? Right. And so I say this. I say, all right, let's write the bankruptcy. I mean, let's write the bankruptcy court because they're supposed to, in this situation, they would be considered the original creditor. So we write the bankruptcy court and we ask them very simple letters. So if you have a bankruptcy, I want you to try this yourself. Did you receive a letter from TransUnion inquiring whether I have a bankruptcy in this court? Mm. The bankruptcy court, I'm going to tell you exactly how they're going to respond. Okay. Right. I'm gonna tell you two ways they'll respond. One way they'll give you a flat no, which is a powerful letter. You copy that a million times and put one in your pocket and take it to work. <laughs> right. The okay. second way that they respond is like this: We do not furnish information to consumer reporting to consumer reporting uh, bureaus. Right. This, mm-hmm. That's exactly what they're gonna tell you. They don't do that. Then they're gonna tell you how the consumer reporting agency got that information. If you look on your Experian Consumer Report, they talk about a smaller bureau named LexisNexis, a bunch of crooks, right? Okay. LexisNexis goes, they have a login at each courthouse. They log in, find negative public information, grab it, furnish it in their, in their house, and then they go sell it to the bigger bureau. So they sell it to Experian. They sell it to TransUnion. They sell it to Equifax. Now, the FCRA just told us that nothing can be furnished without the written permission of the consumer, Right. Uh, the FCRA also told us the consumer has a right to privacy. So anywhere in there, right, number one, they're going to say, oh, it's just public record. Okay, you have a right to privacy, so there's no such thing as public record. Number two, you never get anybody written permission to log into a court website and grab your information and furnish that to the public for your employers to see. Every time you apply for credit, they see it. That's embarrassing if you ask me, mm. right? So you've been violated two or three ways just in that one passage. So... To answer most people's question, furnishing a bankruptcy is technically illegal because they never had your permission to do it in the first place, and they infringed upon a consumer's right to privacy, right? Mm. Medical bills. We did, a, we did a class on Instagram Live. I had a, a medical professional. The girl had all kind of credentials. Uh, she was damn near a doctor. Um, she was a step under a doctor, whatever that is. Okay. And they have a, um, 
they have a, a, a nonprofit up in Chester, Pennsylvania called I'm a Nurse for Life. So I thought it would be a good idea to have a girl on the live because I have been telling people about medical bills. Uh, they were getting a lot of results. They were getting money for it and stuff. But okay. I still, I said, it wouldn't be powerful enough until they heard these laws from the medical professionals. So when I would speak about medical debts, I would say, hey, a consumer has a right to privacy. Uh, HIPAA violations are a violation of the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Um, and nobody's allowed to have your medical data if they don't have it. If they're not a medical professional who, who has an interest in your in whatever case you have. So if I, so the, the girl came on the live. She said, if, if me and your mother work at the same hospital, your mother's a doctor. If you break your ankle and your mother's not your doctor, she cannot open your medical information. That's a HIPAA violation, mm. right? right? So you hear some people say, uh, the girl seen a YouTube video with a guy saying, hey, if they have, if the debt collector has a HIPAA consent form, um, then you just need to settle the debt. Number one, we do not negotiate with terrorists, so we settle no debt, right? Mm. Number two, a HIPAA consent form only applies to if, a medical professional, one doctor, takes your information and gives it to another medical professional, another doctor or hospital, but there's a big but there. That medical professional or doctor has to have an interest in your case, meaning they have to have an interest in, hey, uh, they have to be a guy who's trying to help Umar fix his ankle if this doctor couldn't fix it. So there is no place in there for a third-party debt collector to have that information. That's illegal, mm. right? So. Uh, the main the main thing about the bully method is this: we trap everybody. So how would you trap a third party debt collector in this situation? Number one, I request validation, and they're dumb enough to send you why you went to the hospital. That's a thousand percent <laughs> illegal. Right, right. Now right. I got you. Right. Now I got all the ammo I need to get what I want. Right. So now you could take that what they send you and send it to the bureau and tell them that this is an infringement upon your right to privacy and that HIPAA violations are a violation of the Fair Credit Reporting Act. You can send that and then invoice and get your little thousand dollars, or which is nothing wrong with getting a thousand dollars. You want to say it's little or get your thousand dollars, or you could. And at that point, you have a federal lawsuit, hmm. and if you know the the laws well enough, you can sue them for whatever the court deems permissible at that point. If you don't believe me, look it up. You're allowed to sue for this. It's laws that I just gave you on the laws that govern it, right? Proof that you can sue for inaccurate information in your credit report, look up Cushman versus TransUnion. Look it up. Proof that you can sue these alleged original creditors for furnished incorrect information. Look up Nelson versus Chase Manhattan. It's, mm. not, it's nothing I'm making up. It's not, it's not like I'm some big genius. I just, the same way I tell people, hey, if you read the law long enough, you might sound better than me. Just sit there and study the law. Study this stuff. Know your rights. The most important thing is to know you're a consumer and that you have rights. So we've talked about the bankruptcies. We've talked about the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Uh, we've talked about medical debts. Let's get funky into some real stuff. So mm, I let's, promise. Let's get it, man. Hold up. That, that, wasn't, about, that, that wasn't the real? You just about to get to the real? I'm excited, oh, we, man. we just getting started, bro. That's just <laughs> a tip of the iceberg. All right. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. I want everybody to Google USC 1602. You don't even have to go through the whole law. I just want y'all to get some definitions out of it. USC 1602. Yep. So we're going to prove to you that you're the original creditor. Okay. We're about, right, to, USC we're about to prove that, that we are the original creditors. Yes, sir. So um, this is the Truth in Lending Act. This governs all consumer credit transactions, right? Okay. There are certain things they have to follow. So... Uh, one of the things I would like for everybody to do is if you have your uh, your car, your contract for your car in front of you, uh, grab it, pull it out, 
and look under the area where it talks about your finance charge and what's supposed to be included in your finance charge, right? Just okay. keep that out. Okay. All right. Let's scroll down. Let's see, where's our where's the definition that, that we need? Credit mm -hmm. card. All right. So at Truth and Lending, they define what a credit card is. The term credit card means any card, any card, plate, coupon, book, or other credit device existing for the purpose of obtaining money, property, or services on, on or serve property, labor, or services on credit. So let me ask you something, Ramel. Do you use your license to obtain money? Um, yes, absolutely. Your license is a credit card. Do you use your uh, license plate to obtain money? Um, yeah, most definitely. Your license plate is a credit card, right? So they're like, we're just getting, we get into a point, y'all. We get into a serious point. All right, so we define what a credit card is. Any card or plate um, that's used in the pursuit to obtain money, right? Okay, yep. All right. Further down in Truth and Lending, J, they talk about an open-end credit plan. Okay. Right? So yeah. an open-end credit plan, we know anything that's open-ended is unlimited. So if I have an open-end credit card, I can spend however much I want on it. Correct. Right? So why would they define an open-end credit plan? And they get a definition of an open-end credit plan, but let's break this down. We just said that a credit card is any card. Right. And now we're talking about an opening credit plan. What is something universal that you're asked for in every consumer credit transaction? What do they ask you for? Um, in every consumer transaction, um, they're going to Everyone, ask you, you, when you for, go finance a car, get a credit card. Um, they're going to ask you for your social security number. They're going to ask. There we go. You ain't even got to okay. go further, bro. Okay. Why do they ask you for that? Um, to verify that you are who you are, who you say you are. Okay. So now if we're citizens, we can say, Hey, that's to verify our identity. Yep. Or if we're consumers, we know that this card is connected to the, is, uh, is an instrument used by this federal corporation, 28 USC 3002, which is the United States. This card is connected to an account at the federal reserve or trust that houses millions and millions of dollars on your behalf, right? Mm, okay. And these alleged creditors use your social security number to fund these consumer credit transactions and make you think that they loaned it to you, but they're just giving, they're, any, any transaction you've done mm -hmm. has already been paid for. I'll mm. prove it. I'm gonna prove this two ways. Okay. Number one, for all the people who have filed bankruptcy, when you went to your creditor meeting, who was there? You. The law, your lawyer may be in the judge. Well, how come Capital One didn't show up? Because you're the original creditor. And I was going to prove this another way. If I say, hey, Ramel, man, I'm in a tough time. I need to borrow $1,000. I'm in the negative at that point, correct? That's correct. So my balance with you is show is negative, correct? Once I give you that $1,000, yes, you're in the negative. My guy. So I can pay on that negative balance, right? Correct. All right, so now let's erase that. I borrowed no money from my mail. I just say, here, I'm going to give you $100 a month for 10 months. Am I in the negative? No. Once you give the first payment, you'd be in the positives. Okay, precisely. But so now if I, if I borrowed no money, I'm just giving you money. Right. I'm just literally just giving money away because it's impossible 
if any, I want a science to somebody to prove this. It's one million percent impossible to pay on a positive balance. So how come every bill we have in our life comes with a positive balance? The only time anything comes with a negative balance is when they owe us money. Mm. And I'll give you an example when they owe you money. If I go get a place and they say, hey, we want a deposit on the utilities, you pay for 12 months, we give you your deposit back. I pay for 12 months, I have no issues, no shutoffs, they gave you my deposit back. That's if fact. I'm lying, look at that letter. It comes in a negative because they owed you money, right? So how come every other thing comes in a positive? Your car note is in a positive. Your cable bill is in a positive. Anything used for your social is in a positive. Uh, what else? Let's see what else is in a positive. Utility bills, in a positive. Your mortgage payments, in a positive. Hmm. So wouldn't that tell us, if we know we're consumers, I just proved that your social security card is a credit card. It's actually an open-end credit plan connected to the Federal Reserve. Every bill is coming in a positive. Wouldn't that mean the stuff is already paid for? Hmm. As soon as you pull that car off the lot, as soon as you sign a contract and get in that social, it's paid for. And I'll, and I'll prove it to you. You have a right to rescission under truth and lending. Now, they try to tell you you have three days. Truth and lending says different. So if I finance a car, I leave, I don't like it, and I go take it back. Let's say the car was 30000 That car was paid for. You know you're supposed to give me the whole 30000 back, not just my down payment? <laughs> yeah. This is that's, the law. That's, that's this is crazy, the law. man. That's crazy. Oh, Bro, if I'm damn. lying, I'm flying. <laughs> This is crazy. This is crazy. All right. And I ain't got I'm, no I'm, wings. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, I'm still following you, man. Keep going. Keep going. All man. right. I'm still so following. So let's go further. Yep. I asked everybody to pull out earlier. I asked everybody to pull out the contract they had uh, for their auto loan or even a home loan. Home loans have finance charges that technically that's all they're really, they're really under the truth of living. That's really all they're supposed to be allowed to charge you is a finance charge and nothing more. Right? Because why would they only be able to charge you a finance charge? They pulled that money from that account and they can charge you a charge on that. Right? Anything after that isn't legal. So the finance charge is legal. But what's supposed to be included in your finance charge? Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Let's look. Let's see what Truth and Lending says. Right? These are, these are things that, that can be included interest, time price differential, any amount payable under a point discount or other system or additional charges services, service or carrying charge. So for my truck drivers, if you if you um if you transported a car to a dealership that was bought already, yeah, they can that can be included in a finance charge. Loan fees can be included. Fee for an investigation or credit report can be included. Right? Now listen closely to number five because everybody's been violated under this. And then remember, in law, fraud trumps fraud trumps any solemn contract. So if there's fraud involved, the contract is null and void. That's all that means in layman's terms. So number mm. five says, this is supposed to be included in your finance charge, premium or other charge for any guarantee or insurance protecting the creditors against the obligers, default, or other credit loss. Are you still paying GEICO monthly after you finance that car? Absolutely. Are you still paying State Farm monthly after you finance or lease that car? I mean, if I was with State Farm, I'm with Geico. So yeah, I'm I'm paying. I'm paying. Oh, with no, <laughs> I'm with Geico. I'm a Geico guy. But yeah, I'm paying him every month. All right. So did you know that on your if you if you if you finance a house or a car, your insurance was supposed to be included in your finance charge. That wasn't supposed to be a separate thing. Hmm. This nah. is truth in lending. If I'm That's... lying, I'm lying. Go look at the law for yourself. This is crazy. Your right. insurance is supposed to be included. So what does that mean about the contract you sign? Now look under 
in your same contract, look under the finance charge section and see if that insurance was included. I can promise you it was not. So right. we just said that fraud trumps any contract. So th that makes your contract null and void because they did not follow the law. They did not include your insurance in your contract. Damn. What was that statement? That's you said enough right fraud, there to get out fraud, of that contract. Fraud trumps any, so what was that? Solemn contract? What was that statement you made? Solemn. Any solemn fraud, contract. Fraud, fraud trumps any solemn contract. Okay. All yep. right. So if there's fraud, Remember if that, you yeah. defrauded, the contract is null and void. Got you. Got right? you. Okay. So I'm sure everybody on here can agree that they're still paying insurance outside of their finance charge on your house, on your car. Anything that you finance and there was a finance charge included, your insurance is supposed to be included in that. You don't believe me? Go to Truth and Lending, USC, USC 1605, go all the way down to J. Right? So we've proved. Yep. We've proved what a credit card is. A credit card doesn't just come from AMAX, your social security card is a credit card. We just define what opening credit plan. I proved to you that you are a consumer and the original creditor. Right? I gave you laws to back you up. Mm. To to back you up to, to handle these situations, right? So what do we do next? Now, when my genius partner, Eric, came up with, which it's been alive in law for a while, but he came up with, uh, we use an affidavit of truth, and he, he wrote it up. It's amazing, right? Okay. So we changed it around because what I tell people in the class is the reason why I'm not going to give you our affidavit of truth is because if I keep using the same medicine with a virus, eventually it'll get immune to it. So I'll give you the keys to know how to put an affidavit of truth together. All the affidavit of truth states is this. The violations, uh, where you were violated at, right? This is not a dispute letter. This is a consumer demand because a consumer has a right to demand, mm. right? A consumer has a right to invoke his specified remedy. So I'm invoking my specified remedy as a consumer. I am demanding compensation for each one of these violations, and I'm demanding a deletion from all consumer reporting agents, from all consumer reporting agencies, and if, if I want my title, I will, I'm getting my title, right? Mm. So we put our affidavit of truth together. Our affidavit of truth states, uh, hey, under the penalty of perjury, I, I agree that everything I say is true. Um, and then at the bottom, I'm gonna, we're going to get that notarized. Then we're going to file a complaint. How do we file a complaint against the company? Right? Obama put together another bureau, not the FBI, the CFPB. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It doesn't say Citizen Financial Protection Bureau. It says Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Now, mm. well, what I tell people to do is any, anything you send off to any bureau, any alleged original credit, any debt collector, you should send a, an exact copy verbatim to the CFPB. You can mail it to them or you can file an electronic complaint. I do it both ways, right? Because what that does is it's not about what you – said you did, what you said you did, or what you can say is about what you can prove. So the CFPB just gives us a paper trail because they give us a report number. So every complaint you file, you have a report number. So in the event that I do have to open a federal lawsuit, I have proof that I attempted many times to settle this fraud out of court, but y'all um, wouldn't oblige. Now, normally, most of these companies, they just want to settle out of court when they see you know the law. You know what? Let's just settle this now. If you look in the CFPB, they have an area that tells you will be a fair resolution. Within that area, they talk about monetary relief. In my class the other day, I said, uh, hey, why do you guys think they put monetary relief in there? They couldn't figure it out. I said, because they know that for these violations, of each one of these laws we just mentioned, you're supposed to be compensated for that. Before <laughs> it even goes, we go to the lawsuit section, you're supposed to be compensated for that. Wow. Wow.
We don't want to have, I don't, nobody feels like going to court because you know how much money they got to pay for attorneys? Yeah, yeah. So they're like, okay, this person knows the law. They showed us the laws that we violated. Let's settle this now so they'll shut up and let's just, let's just get away from this person. Wow. Right? So, let's so, just so, end so, this so, right now. So, so these agencies or these companies, they, they know that they are, they're willfully basically violating you. They know it. And they're just basically um, waiting to see if you'll call them on their BS for the most part. I want to say that, bro. I want to say yes. But today, uh, the, in the class the other day, I told my students, I said, hey, I don't want y'all to get discouraged. Sometimes uh, it seems like a denial in the first time, but it's not. You got to read closely what they're saying. So. Let's see, bro. I got it right here. I put it on Instagram earlier. Really. I read it. I read some of these. So, okay. So we filed a complaint, right? Yeah. Uh, the debt was for eight hundred. This for a client. We found five thousand dollars worth of violations. Filed the complaint. Since the invoice we won our five thousand. We can so we can we can talk about a settlement. I want to settle to me fifteen hundred. We might do that. Let's just see, right? So here's their response. Okay. Won't even say the company's name. Blank company doesn't. I might read the whole thing. I just want to read this one part. Blank okay. company does not believe that we have violated any laws. They say they don't believe. Is the law about what you believe or what you can know and prove? <laughs> it's what you can know and prove, 100%. Exactly. So what I told my client was this. She's all worried. I said, what are you worried about? We're going to use this against them for one. They said, believe. This is the law. So if I rob a bank and I go to the judge and say, hey, I, don't, I didn't believe it was a crime. What's she going to say? <laughs> Ignorance of the law is no excuse. That's a fact. Right? That's a fact. This is the same thing. They're robbing the bank because you're the original creditor. You're worth millions and millions of dollars. You're priceless, but you're worth millions and millions of dollars. So they're robbing the bank right now, right? Right. And I'm a consumer judge. You're a consumer judge, right? So telling me what you believe doesn't mean anything. If you tell me you don't believe they violate any laws, I showed you the laws. I included my exhibits. So for people, if you ask any attorney what an exhibit is, he's going to tell you uh, all exhibit means proof. So if you've ever been sued, you'll see they put exhibit A. Exhibit B, Exhibit C, all that's saying is, hey, this is one proof, this is two proof, this is three proof. So now he just gave me another exhibit on top of the exhibit I already had. We used the logo, right? Used obscene and profane language. Uh, you said this was an attempt to collect a debt. Uh, you, you had my address without my permission when you purchased this debt from the alleged original creditor. I never gave you permission to have my address. That's no consent, which mm. constitutes identity theft. So mm. we found over five grand worth of violations in 15 minutes, right? Wow, yes. We found them so fast that we just filed the complaint right there electronically. Now they said, we do not believe that we have violated any laws. That's not how law works. It's not about what you believe. It's about mm. what I just proved. So now you just gave me a whole passage to use against you. Now we gonna say, I told my client, we're going to send one more complaint. We're going to tell them. Now mind you, it's illegal to threaten to open a lawsuit and not do it. That's illegal. So when we threaten to open a lawsuit, we're coming with a federal lawsuit. So it's like, hey, we, we handle this now. Now we don't want to settle. Now you're going to give us the whole five grand for being willful. But what I told her was, listen, it's not lawyers opening these complaints. You have regular employees opening these complaints, hourly salary. And right now they're sitting at home because of the, uh, because of the coronavirus. Right. So he, what he should have did was checked in with a superior. But what he did do was he responded himself, he or she. I can't say whether it's a he or she doesn't say. Right. But – the fact that he responded and said, we do not believe that right then and there showed the ignorance and it showed, Hey, this means that consumers are getting violated left and right because of the same thing that just happened with this, uh, with this collection agency. And that is, they don't know the law. So now that he don't know the law, now we got him by the foot. Mm. And now when you know the law, 
you can do things like this, right? You can empower yourself to know, hey, I'm a consumer judge. I can pretty much do whatever I want. Hmm. The entire corporation works for me. <laughs> this is crazy. This is crazy. Um, who, I mean, the, the, the knowledge of this information seems so powerful, bro. Like, um, who, 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 who knows this stuff? Who is using these, this stuff to their advantage? Because certainly not the people in our community. Well, I know, I see, uh, this sister does not like to be known. So if she hears this uh, interview, there's one sister who's powerful, bro, but she don't like to be known. This girl is powerful, man. Okay. I got a lot of love for this woman. Um, I wish that, uh, you know, she's such a servant. Um, she does not take clients, which I respect. Uh, we actually aren't taking any clients right now because it's not just about the money for her, but she does not, she doesn't want to be known. She don't like to be known, but just so she knows who I'm talking about, I'm giving her a shout out. She's from New York. Okay. Uh, me and my partner, Eric Noor, and she's one of the people I could say she knows the law, man. But um, I'm be honest with you, bro, a lot of people don't know, and this is why we've been getting taken advantage of so long. And I'll even go as far as to say most of these companies don't know, because when I've dealt with them, and I, like sometimes I'll do a test run. I'll send one of these internet, I'll, I'll be like, hey, let's, uh, like I had a girl, she DM me, she said, hey, I paid $1,000 for these letters, they didn't work. Right. So I said, hey, let's uh, get on, right, we got on a Zoom call, I said, we have to go have a free consultation. Because I, I, I hate to see people taking advantage of We had a free consultation. I said, hey, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to send one of these letters off. When they respond, I'm going to show you how it really works. So I sent one of the, 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 the letters that she bought that did not work, and they responded. It had thousands of thousands of dollars worth of violations, right? So mm. when I sent this back to the company, they respond. Uh, based in a nutshell, they wanted to speak, right? Okay. So I'm not an attorney. I can't represent her, but I gave her a script to go by. Okay. Right? Within that thing, she was teaching them. I'm like, what the? They didn't even know. They're like, oh, wow, this is a violation. Oh, man. This is, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, uh, she felt so empowered after. She's like, I couldn't even believe this. She's like, she, she's telling me. Uh, she's like, um, no, I was not on the call because it is illegal to record calls or be on the other side of a call without uh, the permission of most of the company. In most states, it's illegal to do that. But so she told me after the call, she said, they were like, oh, wow, this is a violation. Uh, Nonetheless, she was cut a check and it had a permanent deletion, but it's like, you know, a lot of people in most of these corporations, they've been violating for so long because most of these laws I said are old, but just because they're old doesn't mean they're not still in place. Right. Mm, right. So um, she, she was saying like, yeah, they were sitting there. These are lawyers, consumer, uh, not consumer lawyers, but lawyers on behalf of these corporations talking about, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, this is a violation. That is, oh, wow, it is a violation. Now, do you want that to go into a courthouse or a smart person would just settle it? Hey, let's just end this right here. Right, 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 right. Right, we call it hush money. Right, right, got you. So, so is it, is it, because somebody listening to this, 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 uh, this podcast right now is saying to themselves, damn, um, there's an out to everything. I mean, there is a loophole, there is a law that protects me as the consumer now from basically all of my debts, um, everything that I owe, you know, everything I've, I've accumulated throughout life. Is, is that like, is that fair to say? For sure. Well, let's look at this, bro. If I credited myself money, am I in debt? Not at all. Not exactly. at all. Exactly. So you but, really but, are in no debt. But if, 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 you, if you actually purchase a product, right? Let's say I, you know, I purchase a car, right? Now, when I purchase a car, I'm not, the, the, the dealer is, they're, they're, we're exchanging, you know, the items at the dealer. The, the dealer's giving me the car. 
I'm buying the car, but the, the bank is actually financing that purchase, right? So the bank yep. is a third party involved. So it's myself, the dealer and the bank, but I actually took ownership or, you know, I, I had this car now in my possession. Um, from this perspective, it's like, even with that contract that I signed to pay for this car that I'm going to drive, I'm going to use, I still don't really even, if I, if I don't want to, I don't got to pay for that car because I'm the original creditor. Is, is that the right frame sure. of mind? <laughs> that, is, okay. that is the right frame of mind, but this is what I tell people. Okay. Dude, you can't just say that and think that's enough to just handle that story. You have to have exact laws to back you with that. You mm. see what I'm saying? So okay. some, that, that's the hardest part about um, doing some of the classes is like some people just, they run with that and it, it, that's not going to work. It will, because, that right there would never work. Right. You got to have I, the I, exact laws. I think that's what people, some people will, will walk away from this thinking like, man, I could get out of anything. And, 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 it, and then they will maybe approach things like, man, I just, you know, I could just go finance the car and then I, I just won't pay for it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Please. Please so, do not so, walk away so, from the Truck and Hustle podcast. So I just want I want I want people to be clear as to how they how they should be approaching, um, you know their 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 credit moving forward and the 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 financial decisions that they make. You know what I mean? Because this For stuff sure. this stuff doesn't necessarily mean to just go out and be reckless. You know, with with your finances, it means that truth, bro. Th truth. There, there there is a lot of. Um, companies that you said are, are violating and in, in, in the ways that they attempt to collect these so-called debts um, from consumers. And, and sure. And, and that's sure. something that you should be aware of and you should know, and you can use that to your advantage. For sure. And, you know, you have to approach every um, transaction. You know, what I noticed a lot of people, uh, we've been conditioned to approach transactions, number one, as a borrower. And number two, as if we're being done a favor. Now it's time to erase that frame of mind. I like that. approach every transaction as if it is what it is, which is a consumer transaction and you're doing them a favor. And the proof of that is, Hey, if we all stop financing anything, everything collapses. Mm. There is no transaction. There is no money without the consumer. So know your power when you get into any transaction and even more than that, know your rights. You should know the laws before you do anything. It bothers me when I meet people who get into a consumer transaction, they try to um, do business with us to help them uh, handle it, and they don't even have the original contract. Why would you have something and not have your original contract? Right, right. They right, sign right. things without even reading. Even if you don't understand it, you should still read it. Hmm. Got you. Got you. Wow. All right. So, so anything, else, anything else that you want to add on the consumer side? That, that the That's people it, need bro. to know. Just know your rights and know that you're a consumer and know the power of a consumer. All right. And, and listen, y'all, all of this stuff that he's reading, this is directly from the law. So I want y'all to take y'all time. I want y'all to, you know, um, look up all these codes and, 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 and these uh, USC numbers and, and, and go do your research and check it out, man. This stuff is, um, this, this, this stuff is, is, is game changing. So listen, so you guys, um, you know, yourself and, 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 and your partner, um, you guys are big proponents of business, right? And entrepreneurship. So let's kind of yes, shift, sir. let's, let's kind of shift the conversation, um, from, from, from consumer, um, you know, individuals to business. How, how, how can you, um, how can you help me get one of those platinum American express cars? That's basically what I'm getting <laughs> to, man. 
That's what I need to you know. You already how, platinum, how, bro. How could you help me get one of them Platinum American Express cards that I see you flashing, man? Talk, talk. Let's talk okay. some business, man. Let's so, talk business. The most, uh, what I like to always say to people, the most important part, the most, um, the strongest part of being able to have uh, powerful business credit and good business credit is to have uh, good personal credit. In my opinion, good personal credit starts at 690 plus. If you're in that range, um, utilization is good, and you don't have a bunch of inquiries in the past six months, you can pretty much get whatever you want at a nice rate. Um, even then, I like to, you know, because your company is a separate entity from you. This is why you have a social, your company has an EIN. Uh, you have a birth certificate, your company has its uh, award letter or, you know, the, the the thing that the state gives you after you send in your articles organization and stuff. That's your company's birth certificate. Your company also has a Dun & Bradstreet. This is so you understand that your company is separate from you. So you have your own credit cards, your company has its own credit cards. Within that, I like to build, some people don't like to have vendor accounts. I love it, right? Your company should build its own credit on its own. Okay. Within the first six months of a new business, a new company can have 30000 worth of uh, vendor accounts easily. Okay. And you can leverage all that. So whether you plan on getting the government contract, whether you're in a vendor machine business, you're going to need this, right? Okay. So here's what we do. Number one, we make sure that we have a, a, a company that's formed within the state and in compliance with the state that's ultra important. Number two, we make sure we have an EIN number. Number three, we go get our Dun and Bradstreet number. Then next, now please pay close attention to exactly what you put in your Dun and Bradstreet application because it has to match verbatim whatever you give your vendors. If it does not match, then this, the information won't report. Once we've um, once we've got our Dun and Bradstreet number, and now we're going to go good with some vendors. Now the three major vendors that most people mention is Quill.com, Uline.com. And Granger.com. Okay. My favorite of the three is Quill because Quill reports weekly, and Quill has more products that most people use. I would say, and I always remember when you start first starting out with business credit, you always have to order something fifty dollars or more in order for it to report. But the reason why I like the fact that Quill reports weekly is because of this: a business has was in a personal side, you have a FICO score. That's you no know, what three fifty to eight fifty. I believe it changed a little bit with the new FICO, but let's just say 350 to 850. Okay. Uh, your company has what's called a Paydex score. That's the scoring system for your company. That ranges from 1 to 100. Okay. On a personal side, if my credit card is due on the 15th and I paid on the 1st, yeah, I pay my bill, but I get no brownie points for that. Oh, it doesn't make my credit score go up high for paying it early. Right. But on the business side, the earlier you pay off the invoice, the higher your Paydex score shoots up. Okay. So let's look at that. If I have a vendor that's reporting weekly, within a 30-day span, I, I bought one, I bought one, I, um, I invoiced one thing for my company, paid it off in 15 days, then I ordered something on the 15th day, and 15 days later, I paid it off. I have two on-time payments on one trade in one month. Mm. Now, a lot of people don't know that your business having its own credit makes it look older. So when you talk to some vendors and they say, hey, listen to listen to the words they use, they say, hey. This business is kind of young. It has no trades. They didn't, they're not talking about age. They're saying you have no trades in your business. So if you wonder why uh, your company's getting denied for stuff, it's because it has no age. Even if you go and try to be a personal guarantor or certain stuff, they won't give it to you because they, like the, they don't like how young the business looks. Mm, okay. So this is, uh, this is why I, I debunked the myth that a lot of people say, hey, you don't need vendor accounts. Your company does need vendor accounts. 
right? Got so you. after we've um, we got our quill mount, uh, I got to say this. A lot of people have been having issues with the starter vendors. Uh, somebody, so I'll say this. Um, one of the reasons why they're having an issue is they're not using professional email. So if I go to Quill and I say, hey, my name is um, uh, um, the, the Bureau Bullies at gmail.com, that doesn't look professional. But if I say it's umar at the Bureau Bullies.com, that looks professional. Uh, number two, the information they put on their Dun & Bradstreet application does not match what they gave the vendors. And number three, they're not speaking things into existence. And when I say that, I mean, okay, let's say you don't have employees right now. What I tell people is this, count how many people live in your household, your children, those are your employees. So don't just put you have one employee. Nobody wants to extend vendor credit to a sole proprietorship. Mm. So you need to say, hey, if I got five members in my household, all five of them are my employees. I got five employees. It makes you look more reputable and you're not lying because they do work with you or work for you. At this place in time, they are your employee, right? Gotcha. Another thing you can do is if the vendors just say, hey, uh, this business just doesn't look good enough to us, all you got to do is go to nav.com. Nav just started this, right? Okay. Uh, nav has a program now where you can pay for one of their monthly services, whether it's their business credit monitoring, and they'll report it to the business credit bu uh, bureaus as if you have a credit, a business credit card with NAV. So mm -hmm. I, I tell people, hey, pay that for two months, and while you're still in Tier 1, go back to Quill and use Quill, or what we call Finesse and Quill, and Finesse Quill, right, once Quill approves you, because once they see NAV reported, Quill will approve you. Quill will approve you. Mm, okay. But after we've done with our starter vendors, this is for every. Now, most people just say, hey, the only people in transportation need fuel cars. No, I'm no longer in transportation, but I still use fuel cars till this very day. Mm. So this is for everybody. Every business should have fuel cars. You get insane discounts. And a lot of people don't know if I have a Chevron um, fuel card, I, I, you know, I buy my morning coffee on my Chevron fuel card. Anything that your fuel station sells, you can use. You can buy on your fuel card, like a credit card. Mm. Right. So. We've got our starter vendors. We got our nice payments. Now we're gonna go into tier two. We're gonna go get um, a Quill. Uh, a Quill. I mean, we're gonna go get a um, a business fleet car. So I like Chevron Texaco. That's my favorite. They have two options. They have the blue one, which only works at Chevron and Texaco because they're the same people. But there are some states where there is no Chevron and Texaco. So they have a red option. The red option is universal. Now they have a setup fee of forty dollars, but it's completely worth it because now. You have a card that you can use at any fuel station, right? Now, if you follow the bully method correctly and build your business credit, they'll normally approve you starting out at about, I want to say, three to 4000 Uh The last client we had got a $10,000 limit, right? Okay. After we get our fuel card, we're going to use that for about 60 to 90 days. Then we're going to pull our uh, Dun & Brass report, make sure everything posted, make sure we did everything right, our information match. Once you see it reported, Let's go get an account, a business pay-by-invoice account with Amazon. Hamza just put on um, Instagram the other day that he got approved for 22000 mm. with a pay-by-invoice with Amazon. Now, what can we use that for? Anything. Number one, <laughs> anything. What does Amazon not sell? And then on top of that, they're giving you bulk business prices, and you're getting Amazon Business Prime, meaning you can get this stuff the same day. So I had a client who was in a vending machine business. He just used that to fill his vending machines. And he was getting better pricing than he was at Sam's Club and Costco. And he was wow. still getting his stuff the same day. Wow. Right? Now, here's a full disclosure. Here's the thing about Amazon. Amazon does not report payments. Okay. So this is good and bad. Good, because in the event that, let's say you get a government contract with a Global Connect, and 
you have to uh, front something to uh, the government and they don't pay you in time. You don't have to worry about that hitting your business credit report if you missed the payment by a few days. Bad because some people abuse the program. And so eventually I know Amazon will change that because people are abusing the program. Mm, Right? After we handle our Amazon, I really don't like tier four and tier five. That's when they say you got to go get uh, That's when people go try to get uh, loans and um, uh, bring on investors. Here's my thing. Any business without two two years worth of tax returns, nobody wants to invest in. No bank, nobody. So we we really designed the bully method for people to be able to finance themselves. So as you see, uh, all of my clients have platinum cards. Uh, they all got the gold card. So they finance themselves, which the wealthy have been doing forever because your business credit cards do not report on the personal side. They report, but the balance does not hurt your personal credit. Mm. So I have clients who actually buy investment properties on their platinum, on their gold card. Now, once you've done gotten the vendor accounts on your business on your business and your uh, pay that score is at least an 80 plus your personal credit is at least a 690 plus you can easily get access to a hundred thousand in credit funding i say credit funding because it's going to be on your credit card but even still you can turn it into cash easily how do i turn it into cash talk to me you have you get two paypal accounts which this is a thousand percent legal just okay. so everybody knows okay make sure one is your business account make sure it's set up as a business paypal the other one can be personal or it can be business. I normally set up up with two business accounts. And this helps me two ways. I invoice myself from one business to the other and pay with the credit card from that PayPal. Once it's paid, you do not instantly transfer to your bank account. You do the regular one to two day transfer. Once it's transferred, the bank sees income. So if you go try to do, get a line of credit with the bank on your business, they're going to see, hey, this guy has income. Mm. Then on top of that, you now have the cash to go do what you want to do. So if you want to buy investment properties, so with the platinum AMS card, you have people with you know they they look at your sp- your spending habits and then they give you a daily a daily limit, not a monthly limit, a daily limit based on that. So okay. I have clients right now with fifty thousand dollar daily limits. What can you not do with that? Why would you need an investor at that point if you can just do that for yourself, right? Man, so the yes. whole point of the bully method is for new businesses to be able to finance themselves. That was the whole reason we devised that. Mm. Man, this is this is some genius stuff, bro. This is some genius stuff. I hope I hope y'all are taking notes right now, man. This brother is dropping some jewels. All right, listen. So my guy. So, so I, I wanna just I just wanna, you know, I hate to say the word pick your brain, but I'm gonna say I want to pick your brain a little bit because um you you you're just such a uh you know a, a, a beautiful mind. You know what I'm saying? Respect, bro. Um, Vice versa. Respect. Let, 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 let's talk business real quick. What, what businesses are you interested in? What, what businesses do you see as being profitable? What are some things you look into, um, you, you, you think are some good things that people, people should look into to get into right now in 2020? Uh, for sure, with the crisis that we're in, government contracting and trucking, because they're both recession-proof. So, you, uh, my brother owns a truck driving business, and they're, they're making a killing. I mean, this is like, if you're a truck driver right now, you should be making a killing. Um, mm. Government contracting, because the government right now needs the consumers more than ever. So they have to use small – if you were uh, – I attended a Global Weekend the other day, and I learned quite – even though I'm around my brother Hamza all the time, uh, I attended the Global Weekend, and I learned even more. So uh, the government has to give money to small businesses to purchase what they need. So right now, Trump is deploying billions and billions of dollars into these different sectors of the government for them to come purchase from small businesses 
Two, uh, get what they need. So the face mask, uh, hand sanitizer, janitorial supplies. So I would say the ones that I've, I've, I've always been interested in government contracting because me and Humble get so much time together. But right. even more now because of the, the crisis that we're in. But I'm not interested. I'm not, I've never been a type of person who likes middlemen. So uh, what I'm really working on now is sole sourcing anything I plan on supplying to the government. So whether that's hand sanitizer or janitorial supplies, I have to, my main thing is I want to be able to sole source it. Mm, can you explain that for the people who don't want to know what sole sourcing means? So if the government wants to buy toilet paper, I don't want to go to... Uh, one of the famous toilet paper companies and buy it and try to sell it. No, I want to go start my own toilet paper company and sell that to the government. Mm. So now my margins are higher and I own everything. Okay. 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 Then so this makes me look better in the future because now I have past performance. So it's like, Hey, you see, Hey, I just did business with the prison system here over five years. We got a $8 million contract. Now you see, Hey, okay. Now this company's reputable. Now, you know, now from there, the sky is the floor, right? I can do whatever I want at that point because I have that past performance and I'm sole sourcing and I own it. And it looks like it's made in America. Uh, Hamza taught us the other day that in order for something to be considered made in America, only, uh, I believe 60% of it has to be made in America. So if I have a, a coffee mug, 40% is made in China, the most expensive parts I have made in China and other 60% I have made in America, I'm made in America. Mm. Wow. Right. Wow. So wow. that's just right now. Those are my two favorite sectors. I, I love technology. Okay. I definitely love technology. But for the most part right now is I have to say government contracting. Mm, government contracting is the move, huh? Yes, sir. For sure. For sure. For sure. All right. All right. Cool. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Bureau Bullies, man. Let's talk about the Bureau Bullies. So you said earlier in the podcast that right now you guys aren't taking on um, any new clients? Why is that? You overbooked and busy, man. You ain't got no room for no overbooked, man. <laughs> overbooked. And I, well, the last thing I'll ever do is take people money, take people's money and have them waiting. So uh, we like to be able to really, really cater to our clients when we take them. We 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 are still taking consultations. Consultations. I don't know if we have any open this week. Okay. But if you go on the site www.thebureaubullies.com and press serve the services tab and press the consultation tab. It'll give you a whole schedule of when we have open consultations. So anybody who wants a consultation, whether you want to, uh, they're 150 an hour, um, whether you want to sit and have us look at your consumer reports with you, or you have uh, questions about business credit, uh, you can go book a consultation for sure. Um, but we are, we, and everybody keeps, at, there is a waiting list also. You can join the waiting list on the website. Everybody keeps asking, um, but when will you be open for clients? I don't even like answering that question because I honestly don't know. <laughs> right, I right, do right. not want to lie to anybody. I honestly don't know. But we refuse to take your money until we can really cater to you the way we like to. Got you. And typically, the clients that you're working with, um, what are you, what are you, what are you uh, working with them on? Is it uh, helping them with their own personal credit, building business credit? What are you, what are you mostly doing? Well, we have one program just for personal credit. Then we have one where if you want to build business credit uh, simultaneously, while we work on your personal credit, we have that too. But for the, uh, what I've seen lately is most people want to do personal credit and business credit. Um, but as far as business credit is so simple and so not complex that we actually have an ebook coming out this week. Okay. It'll be out this week. So uh, when people get that, they'll be able to understand business credit completely. Okay. Gotcha. And where can they get that ebook? Uh, we're trying to see if we're going to sell it on Apple again or if we're going to just sell it straight from the website. I mean, Apple and uh, Android platforms or if we're going to sell it straight from the website. So we're just trying to see which, what, what is best. 
Uh, my main thing, bro, has always just been ownership. I want to have complete ownership over my stuff. For sure, for sure, for sure. All right. So what is the future of the Bureau Bullies, man? Talk to me. I mean, you guys are doing some phenomenal things right now, man. Um, what, what, what does the Bureau Bullies look like in the next, the next uh, year or two? What's your goal? Well, bro, I want to be able to completely educate our people. I know it's not possible to educate everybody, but um, I'd like for our main goal is to bankrupt the bureaus. That's our main goal. Because they're completely <laughs> unethical and it's not legal. Bank- That's yeah. our main goal. Ba- bankrupt the bureaus. And how do, we, how do we do that, man? How do we bankrupt the bureaus? We do that by knowing our rights and using those rights to make them compensate us for the violations. Mm, got you, got you. All right, cool. And, and, and I know we had spoke earlier, you said that you were looking to do um, some, some online training or some uh, like a university or something like that? For sure, bro. So we want to do the Bully Academy. It's been pushed back, but me and my partner, Eric, is still working on the Bully Academy. Uh, it's going to be a 5013C, which is a nonprofit. So it'll be completely free. We want to cater to people who make uh, 50000 or less. With this financial crisis that's going on, I don't know if it's going to get better or not. I definitely believe people are going to most definitely need this information, and I wouldn't feel comfortable at that point charging them for it. Right now, we are still charging, but um, when the Bully Academy is officially launched online, it will be free. Dope, dope, dope. That's official. That's official. So that that that's a truck and hustle exclusive. I've never announced that anywhere else. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, let me see. We're, we're, we're kind of coming towards, towards wrapping things up a little bit. We've been rocking for a little bit. Um, you know, b- before we close out, you know, I always ask my guests, you know, to give, to give, give their final thought, their final jewel, um, their final takeaway. Um, you know, we have a lot going on right now in our country. Um, you know, a lot of people are fearful. Um, a lot of people are uncertain. Um, just if you give some words of encouragement, um, just kind of let people know what you think they should be paying attention to. And just, just, just give a final jewel, man. Then let's, let's close out. We're letting everybody know where they could connect with you. Um, and, and then we'll close it out, my brother. Yes, sir. So um, one of my main things is, uh, and this is something that my grandmother told me, you can either pray or you can worry, but you can't do both. So um, I mean, I think it's number one is to have prayer. But, you know, I don't like to say that because it's like um, we're in a crisis. So if I get shot, don't tell me to pray about it. Take me to the doctor, right? Right. So I'm saying all of this to say this. Uh, let's look at the beauty in this situation. Number one, whether you believe in God, the higher power, the universe, whatever, this uh, infinite intelligence has put the entire world on its knees, right? So it's not some people. In the beginning, people were saying it was a conspiracy, but when you see the wealthy. In a capitalistic society, when you see the wealthy losing money, it's not a conspiracy. They don't do things to lose money. They do things to gain money. Mm. So whereas in the beginning, it may have been a conspiracy. Now God or whoever, whatever you want to call them, has humbled everybody, right? Right. And then let's also look at it. The entire world, if you look on Instagram, all you see is people talking about how overworked they are. The entire world was overworked. People were stressed. They couldn't spend time with their kids, their family. It's capitalism. So it's the rich getting richer, the poor getting poor, right? So at every angle, people were stressed, overworked, depressed. Now everybody gets to sit back, catch up on work, spend time with their kids, spend time with their family, chill, relax. So my main thing is always to look at the positive, right? Um, uh, Our government always used to say, hey, uh, 
you know, in our case, they say, hey, we can't give reparations. Well, just look at this. Now the entire world is getting reparations. Now, <laughs> granted, right. I believe it could have, we, we could have gotten way more. They, of course, they build the billionaires out again, but that's just how it goes. But even still, we got to look at the positive. Look, the, the earth is even healing. Right. Uh, mm. In parts of the world where animals couldn't even live, you got animals coming back. Uh, air pollution is ending. A guy did a, a, a picture the other day on Instagram, which I wish I would have reposted. He had a picture from February. There were no clouds in the sky. No, no. January, there were no clouds in the sky. February, there were no clouds in the sky. March 21st, the sky was full of clouds. So we, don't even realize, we didn't realize the damage we were doing to the earth. Uh, the carbon emission, uh, not going plant, uh, not uh, using um, uh, plant-based alternatives as far as plastic and stuff is concerned. The ocean's healing. The oil's moving out the ocean. Man, man was really, really destructive. So, you know, and we weren't, and the human human beings as a whole were not getting along. Uh, you had this one against that one, the rich against the poor, uh, whites against blacks. And I think that, you know, the ultimate power, whatever you want to call it, we know he exists. Whatever you want to call it, we know that something more powerful than everything together exists and that all of this didn't just come from nothing. And now he's, uh, he, he's, he's, he's showing his power in a, in a merciful way because um, it could have destroyed us all. But instead, I think it's something that's going to build us up. And uh, for those of us who know, these times are the, the times that make men, men and women, and the times that make millionaires and billionaires. So some people say, hey, well, we lost a bunch of millionaires the other day. I think, I think a study said we lost 100,000 millionaires. Uh, that was like a week ago. It was an a, um, article on Forbes that America lost 100,000 millionaires. Mm. so okay we can just say hey well they lost a bunch of money in stocks those guys first saw this coming and the proof of that is warren buffett uh berkshire hathaway about six months ago i shared an article about them uh they had stocked about 127 billion cash now if you study warren buffett long enough you know when he's doing something like that he's about to make a big purchase because mm. he's stockpiling cash at this point so this lets us know two things number one the virus has been around because uh, I have family members who were getting extremely sick. They felt like they had the flu, but nobody could define what it was. Hmm. Right? So we know that it's been around. But number two, they knew an economic collapse was coming. So I'm saying all of that to say that the money, the little money that we may have or whatever we can put together, now we need to use this to capitalize on our situation and build ourselves up. I, I, I can't find one negative from the situation. Uh uh, my main thing at this point in my life is to always find a positive because in every situation, there's always a positive that can make you more powerful because the uh, the higher power is always working in our favor. He, he doesn't work for himself. He works for us. So he's always doing everything is in our favor. Um, mm. That's just the main thing, man. Stay positive. And if you want to find the Bureau Bullies, uh, you can get with us on Facebook at the Bureau Bullies LLC. Uh, we're mostly on Instagram, the Bureau Bullies LLC. You can subscribe to our YouTube. We have new content coming. The Bureau Bullies. That's just the Bureau Bullies on Instagram. And uh, we're also on Twitter at the Bureau Bullies. No doubt. No doubt, man. Listen, I, I, uh, number one, I love that perspective. Um, I agree. I agree 110%, man. It's all about how you look at things and, 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 and finding the positives. Um, obviously, you know, there, there, there's been life loss and we never want to see that. And we praying for all the families and everybody affected. Um, but you know, we, we have to move on and we have to move strong. So, um, you know, yeah. I agree, I agree with you, bro. Let's definitely look at this as, you know, let's, let, let's find the, the silver lining in these dark clouds right now. And, um, you know, bro, man, listen, I, I appreciate, you know, your time, all the value that you've given to the truck and hustle community today. I, I really hope they, 
they, they listen to this one and two and three and four times, man, and go back and really do this research um, and research these laws and, and, and understand your rights, you know, as a consumer yeah. and, and just yeah. really um, do your due diligence. And, um, you know, let's start taking control, man. Let's start taking control and taking our, our power back. I want to thank you again, bro, because like I told Hanzo, Rodmel is the voice of the people. So, you know, uh, anybody that's somebody is going to be on Trucker Hustle. So, you know, you just need me somebody. So, much, for real, bro, much love and respect, man. You're the voice of the people, and we definitely need you. Uh, what you do does not go unnoticed. You give a lot of people a platform. And, you know, it takes a real man to do that because it's really an egoless situation for a person to create a platform to build others up. Thank, thank you so much, man. I'm, I'm humbled by that, by, by that statement. And, um, you know, you, you're just a real humble, humble brother, man. Like I always tell you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about energy. We met in Atlanta. You know, your energy was good. Um, it, it was Vice great. Versa, you know, good, good's not even a, 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 as an understatement. It was great. And just the, the short time that we spent together, you know, it definitely let me know that, you know, you were somebody I needed to align with. Um, you and, and Ham, y'all doing big things out there. And I'm proud of y'all, man, just watching y'all grow Respect, from, from when I first kind of, you know, um, was introduced to you to seeing you now and seeing the community that you built. Like, I don't even, I mean, y'all got to know, y'all got to know how powerful it is. But just from the outside looking in, you know, maybe you, you may not hear it enough, man. Y'all doing something powerful, man. And I and I and Respect, I just want you to keep it keep it going, man. Don't stop and don't let anything come between y'all. You know what I'm saying? Don't Respect, let any, any, any nonsense come between y'all. And that's just big bro talking, man. Because too often we have these situations where we let ego and different things come between mm. our powerful movements. And don't let that come between y'all, man. Because y'all mm. got too strong together for real. And I and I and I mean. You know what I'm saying? So I'm here, Chuck and Hustle is here to support you. Hustle fam's here to support you. I'm going to repost everything. I'm going to share everything. I'm going to do whatever I can do love, bro. to love. make sure that y'all, y'all getting, versa, bro. getting the visibility, you know what I'm saying, that I could bring to, to, to what you're doing. All right? Word. Word. Love, bro. Thank you again, brother. For sure, man. Thank you, Hustle fam. We are out. One love. Peace. If you like what you heard, it's only going to get better. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a comment. Let us know what you want to learn or hear more about. Till next time, love is love, truck and hustle.